Welcome to our Bible study once again this week. This week we'll be starting a new chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. We'll be covering verses 1 through 8. And what we're going to see this week in today's lesson and the next couple of weeks coming up is that Jesus is going to be speaking to his disciples about the end times. Most people like to call it the last days. And we need to realize something right here, that this has really great importance to us. And you might ask why, right? Because the end times speak about a transition, right? And that transition is from this world as we know it today for something that's coming in the future that is very, very different. And that what is coming in the future, which is different, is the establishment of the kingdom of God. And this kingdom, right, should have first priority in your life. Let's go back to what Jesus did the night before, right? He was crucified where he was hung on that tree, right? He was in the upper room with his disciples at the Last Supper, right? And he took the bread and he took the cup. And he told his disciples that this is the cup of my blood, right? It's the new covenant, he said. So what he's speaking about here is a covenant of redemption, right? Now, he did this the night before Passover, and we know that Passover speaks to us about redemption. And the original Passover that took place, took place some 3,500 years back. And we can go back to the book of Exodus and look at that, right? Where God told Moses, make sure you go tell the Israelites that was in slavery in Egypt. Right to kill the lamb, and he gave them certain instructions on what, what, how, how old the lamb needed to be, and and it had to be a healthy lamb. And he just gave them all these instructions, and he said, "You take the blood of that lamb after you kill it, and you do what? You sprinkle it, or you spread it around the doorpost." Of each door. So when the angel of death comes by, right? That angel of death sees what the blood. And because that angel sees the blood, he's going to pass over, which means that you are saved, that you are redeemed, right? Now, now we know that this is what Jesus was speaking about because if you look at the book of Exodus, it's a paradigm. In other words, it points to what Jesus did at the cross. When Jesus hung on that cross. In other words, Jesus right here is speaking about redemption, how he's saying that he's going to lay down his life and he's going to be that Passover lamb, right? And through his blood, that we have a chance for that kingdom of God. We have a chance to be in eternity. We have an opportunity to be saved. So when we speak about the last days or we speak about the end times, we sp we're speaking, you can say, of a transition, away from this world that we live in now, right? And the world that we live in now is full of pain, is full of sufferings, is full of heartache, disease, death, all sorts of problems that we run into day in and day out, right? But it transitions this, this world and all this pain and suffering and death and so forth into the kingdom of God, right? A kingdom where there's righteousness. The righteousness of God prevails. In other words, the peace of God is there. The blessings of God. The promises of God, right? All this is present in the kingdom of God and is present to all those who have, I guess, 
took over or, or took that blood of that lamb, right, from Jesus. And they have been saved. In other words, the only way to get to that eternal kingdom of God is through Jesus Christ, right? And again, this chapter, Jesus is going to talk to his disciples about what indicators or what to look for at the end times, right? In other words, he, he's going to give us a heads up and saying, this is what you need to look for in the end times. But we need to be careful. And we need to be careful and not do what many people do, right? And what they do is this. When they hear the subject of the last days or on the end times, right? They're really not interested. Some of them are, right? Because some of them say, well, I know I'm getting to heaven, right? And, and, and they, they don't pay too much attention because I, I hear about some bad things that happen in the last days, what is to come, and I really don't want to know about that and I'm really not worried about that too much. So I'm just going to go along with my worldly activities and my daily activities, right? In other words, it's unpleasant things, so, so I really don't want to focus on that a whole lot. What a foolish thing to say, right? What a foolish thing to do because you're really being disobedient to God. This is a horrible attitude to have, and you might ask me, why is that? Because these difficult times, right, these are, and these times are approaching, and they're approaching fast, faster than, than what we think. When these problems occur, and they will soon, some of it, we're already experiencing it. Now, we're not in, in we're at the very beginning of those birth pains that Jesus is going to talk about. Very, very beginning of that, right? But, but Jesus is telling us about all these signs, so to speak, and he's going to talk about that because he calls us to be a testimony, right? In other words, we need to be called to live obediently to his word. In other words, through us, our faith should manifest where other people see that, that these difficult times that are coming, we need to be the light in those difficult times. In other words, we need to give people revelation and hope, so to speak. We need to reveal truth to let them see that the one in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who's in the world. So the end times, right, if you're ready for it, if you pray about it, right, it can be a great time for ministry if we are around when those end times come, right? In other words, to impact others with the truth of God so they can see, right, that, that we are recipients, so to speak, of the promises of God, of what God promises us about the kingdom of heaven to come, right? Because we can't ignore these teachings. We can't ignore the end times. I get often, I get asked this question very often, right? Are we in the last days, so to speak, right? And, and, and I say this, we're not in those birth pains that Jesus is going to talk about in the next couple of weeks, in the next lessons, right? We're not there yet, but boy, we're we close to that. We're at the very beginning of those, those birth pains as Jesus talks about, right? And how do I know this, you say? I know this from reading scripture, specifically prophecy by the prophets, right? The Bible never gives us a time or a date, so to speak, when these things are going to happen, right? But if you read and understand the prophets, if you understand prophecy, you can determine where we are 
bought a prophetic calendar. In other words, by the things that are taking place in the world, we can see how far we are from these birth pains, so to speak, right? Or how far we are from that tribulation period, the wrath of God before the wrath of God takes place. So again, in this chapter, what we're going to see is that Jesus gives us indicators about the end times and what to expect and what to look for. Why? So we can be a testimony to others, right? So we can be at peace. We can be at some sort of rest when these things occur, when these things happen. So we don't fear, in other words. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us here, right? See, God didn't create us to fear. The Bible says that we should only fear God and God himself. Because if you are God-fearing, then you're going to follow God. You're going to follow the teachings. You're going to follow the commandments of God. Why? Because you want, you want to please God. You don't want to disobey God. Because eventually, when you, want, you want that relationship with God. And when you have that relationship with God through his son Jesus, right? then you want to be obedient to his son, right? And you see, in order for the establishment of the kingdom of God to take place, because that's really what Jesus is talking about, is the last, the signs of the last days, the signs of the end times. Why is that? Why all these things need to take place, you say? Because Jesus tells us, all of this needs to take place in order for the kingdom of God to be established, right? In other words, Jesus comes twice, you can say. The first time is the rapture of the church. But when Jesus comes the first time, he's not coming all the way down to earth. I want you to understand that. He's coming in the clouds, and he's going to stay in the clouds, and the church will be raptured up. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul, St. Paul says that what? The dead in Christ will rise, right? See, their soul, when you die, your soul, your spirit is in the air. It's in heaven, so to speak, right? But your body's where? Your body's in the grave or your body's ashes, wherever it is. But, but when the rapture of the church comes and you're a believer and you believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that he is Lord and Savior, right? And, and you repented of your sins, the Bible says. When the rapture happens, when God, when Jesus comes back for us, the dead in Christ will rise and those who are alive and well living on this earth will also be raised in the twinkling of an eye, right? But there's also the second coming of Jesus. And these are two different events. I want you to understand that. And I'm going to show you that as we go through our studies, right? Because the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus, there's two different signs that happens with the sun and the moon. That scripture tells us, and I'm going to point that out to you when we get to that area of study. But these two events, it's two different events, right? And the second event, the second coming of Jesus right? That's to bring salvation to the nation of Israel, right? Because, because we know this, that at the end times, the prophet Jeremiah says this, that there's going to be a time of trouble for Jacob. Who is Jacob? Jacob is Israel, right? And, and, and we know this because in the end times, well, let's go back to last week. Last week, we seen that Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem, right? That's how we end the last week's lesson. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I long to gather you or your children together as a hen gathers up her chicks under her wings. But you are willing, he says, right? See, God created the nation of Israel and the, the Jews to be the light of that world, right? In other words, to bring salvation, right, to the rest of the world, to let them know about God, to accept his son, Jesus, and what they did. 
From the very beginning, they're rejected. Right? He gave them the promised land. Let's go back to the Old Testament. He gave them the promised land. It was theirs. But they didn't want that there. See, God wanted all his land, his people to stay in one area. But they didn't do that. And it started with the, with the tribe of Dan, right? When, when they rebelled. And from then on, it just, they just kept rebelling, right? So, so Jesus, Jesus, we're going to see that, that he wants them to stay together. He wanted them to be the light for other nations, but they didn't. They rebelled, they disobeyed, and because of that, judgment came upon them, and they scattered throughout the land. But we know this, that God will gather them back together, and he already has started gathering the Jews back together and sending them back to the promised land, right? And that's a prophecy that's being fulfilled today, right? We, we know that because of their disobedience, what happened? That they were set into exile, right? Judgment came upon them, meaning God allowed different nations to attack them and conquer them. Thus, doing what? The people fled. And they scattered throughout the land. But what we see in now is in 1948, Israel was reborn. And since then... People have been flocking back to the Holy Land. And more people's even flocking today, which is an indication that we are at the beginning of the end times, right? Now, we know that, that, that there's going to be many, many birth pains that take place, right? Before the wrath of God comes to this earth, right? And we see this, that as we get closer to that tribulation period, so to speak, the wrath of God, right? We know that things in this world will just get crazier and worse, right? So when, when people say this, that things that's going on in this world, things will get better. They really don't know scripture. Because things in this world, I hate to say it, are not getting better. Things in this world, world will continue to decline. It's, it's, it's just going to get worse. And we know that towards the end times, right, we see this in scripture, these birth pains are going to happen that Jesus is going to talk about starting in today's lesson. And, and, and we see this, that the entire world will be at war. But at the very end, at the end times, the world's going to be, all the nations will come against Israel. There's going to be a, a coalition of Muslim countries that unite, right? The book of Revelation talks about the ten kings, the ten kingdoms, right? Most of this is going to be Muslim nations that's going to come against Israel. Now, Russia is going to be including in them. Russia is going to be with them, right? And they come and they attack Israel. And it seems like Israel has no hope, right? And, and Daniel talks about this in the book of Daniel, Daniel's prophecy. It talks about that these ten nations are called the ram. But out of those ten nations, there's going to be a goat. Daniel calls it a shaggy goat, right? In other words, this one empire is going to rise up, and we know it's going to be a European empire. The Bible does tell us that, right? And we also know, know this, that this leader of this empire somehow is going to have some type of Jewish background, some type of being a Jewish descent, right? And this guy that's going to rise the leader of this empire, this beast, because that's what the beast is. It's an empire. He's going to be the Antichrist, right? And he's going to come to the rescue of Israel. 
in the last days. And just when it seems like Israel lost and Israel is going to lose, this empire rises up and saves Israel. And he signs a peace treaty with Israel, right? For seven years. But something happens in the middle of that seven-year period, the three-and-a-half-year mark. And what happens is this leader, the Antichrist, he's going to go into the Holy of Holies. And I believe this, that this empire, right, this leader of this nation, this goat, the shaggy goat that Daniel talks about, they're going to fund the building of this third temple that's going to be in Jerusalem because there will be another temple, right? Right where the golden dome is, that mosque, right, for the Muslim. That's going to be torn down and, and, and a temple will be built for the Jewish people. But at the three and a half year mark of the seven year tribulation, the Bible says the abomination of desolation happens. In other words, he goes into the Holy of Holies. He stops all worship. He stops all sacrifice. And he declares himself God. And he says, you can only worship me. Right? And when this happens, there's going to be a third of the Jewish people that's going to realize they were fooled. But two-thirds of the Jewish population, they're going to stay in Israel. They're going to stay in Judah. And the Bible says that they're going to be put to death. They're going to be beaten. They're going to be pretty much crucified. Put to death, you can say. But one-third are going to realize we were wrong. We were deceived. And what they're going to do? They're going to flee, the Bible says, to the mountains. I believe they're going to flee to what is called Petra, which is in modern-day Jordan, right? And when they flee, God will protect that remnant of the Jewish people, right? He will protect them just like God protected the Israelites in the book of Exodus when we studied that they went down to Goshen, right? Same thing's going to happen. And while they're there, they're going to repent, the one-third that flee. And they're going to cry out, blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because if you remember last week, Jesus said, you will not see me again. The only time you will see me again is when you cry out, blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He was quoting King David in Psalm 118, right? That's what he was doing. Because once again, when the Jews repent and they say this, that's when Jesus comes back with, his, with the saints, with the church, with you and me. He comes back to deliver, to deliver Israel, right? To save the Israeli people that repented, right? To, to, to condemn, to judge the evil nations, the unbelievers of this world. Jesus will land we know on the Mount of Olives, and we, the Bible says when Jesus lands on the Mount of Olives, what happens? The mountain splits in two, and a valley is formed. And when that valley is formed, then what happens? The kingdom of God is established. That ushers in the thousand-year millennial reign. And we know that we rule with Jesus Messiah, King Jesus, in the millennial reign for a thousand years, right? And we know what happens after the thousand years. It's just about over. God lets out Satan again with his demons. They run rampant on this earth, right? Until finally God said enough is enough. 
He locks them up into abyss for good. He locks them up into hell. They lock down into the dungeon of hell. And the new heaven and the new earth, the new city, the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. And we have a new heaven and a new earth, right? So with that being said, let's get into this Bible study right here and cover these first eight verses. Open up your Bibles to Matthew 24. And let's read what it says. The destruction of the temple and the signs of the end times. Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the buildings. Verse 2 he says this, "Do you see all these things?" he asked. "Truly, truly I tell you not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down." As Jesus was sitting on the mount of olives, the disciples came to him privately. "Tell us," they said, "when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and what will be the sign of the end of the age?" And Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming to be the Messiah. And they will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine, there will be famines, plagues, earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. So let's go back at verse 1 and let's look and see what is going on here and break this down. So Jesus left the temple and he was walking away with his disciples came to him to call attention to the buildings. So we see that Jesus is leaving the temple, right? He comes out the temple. He has been teaching, right? Everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. He had been teaching with the crowds. And if you remember everywhere he went, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the religious leaders, they followed Jesus because they wanted to entrap him. But he finished teaching and they're leaving the temple area, right? And disciples, they're leaving and they're walking to the Mount of Olives, but they notice all the beautiful buildings on the Temple Mount. Now I want you to understand that the, the Temple Mount didn't only have the temple, right? They had many other buildings on the Temple Mount at this time. And it was beautiful buildings. It was tall buildings, right? Because history tells us, right, that when King Herod came into power in the Roman government, they actually put some money up and actually helped the Jews rebuild the Temple Mount, right? In other words, they, they built buildings or they upgraded buildings, right, on the Temple Mount. And one building in particular was there, and that was the Sanhedrin, right? The Sanhedrin is what? It's, it's Roman government control, but Jewish people, including the religious leaders, that did what? They made sure that law and order prevailed in the nation of Israel, that the people didn't rebel, so to speak, right? So they notice all these beautiful buildings, the disciples, right? And they come to Jesus and they talk about these buildings. But look what Jesus says in verse 2. He says, do you see all these things? Truly, truly, I tell you, he says, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be torn down. So what we see here is that Jesus is giving a prophecy here, right? He's telling his disciples, you see all these beautiful buildings that you see, right? They took many, many, many years and a lot, a lot of money, right? To look like it looks. It looks beautiful. It looks great, right? But what he's saying is, they're not going to be. They're not going to stay standing. Because in days, all these stones will be laid 
upon one another. And we know that this actually happened, right? In 70 AD, 40 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This happened, right? Now, this is important, right? Because what he tells his disciples, right? In the rest of Matthew 24, speaks about the end times, right? Now, why do I say that? Because there's a false teaching, I guess you can call it, right? That's going around today that's saying all these events that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 happened in the past. In other words, they already took place, but I'm going to tell you that that's not true. The only thing that has happened in the past that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 is verse 2. Is the destruction of the second temple. We know that did happen in 70 AD, right? So what Jesus wants us to see here is this. This is what Jesus is saying. In the same way that I was correct about the temple being destroyed, I'm also going to be correct about the things that are to come. And what are those things, you say? Well, let's look and what, let's see what Jesus says about the future and to give us a little bit of insight on what to expect and what to look for, right? Verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. And this is what they said. They said, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of this age? So Jesus, we see here, is sitting on the Mount of Olives. So what we see here is a change in location, right? And in Scripture, when you have a change in location, that means a change in subject matter. So Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, and he's going to speak to them about the end times. Now, a lot of you know what Jesus says right here. You know it to be the Olivet Discourse, right? And the reason it's called the Olivet Discourse is because it's on the Mount of Olives. Now, Jesus is going to speak to them. This is very important here. Jesus is going to speak to them about the events that's going to take place towards the end times, right? But understand this. Jesus is telling them this and sitting with his disciples. They're private. There's nobody around. It's just Jesus and his disciples. They are sitting on the Mount of Olives, right? Because we know from the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 14, we read about in the last days of this seven-year tribulation, right? How Jesus is going to return when the Jewish people, in other words, that one-third that fled because they knew they were deceived, when they cry out, blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, when they cry out, when they cry out Jesus hears that from heaven. God hears that and God says, Jesus, son, it's time for you to come back. And Jesus comes back with his army, which is the church, which is us, believers, right? And, and we battle for Israel. But it's really not a battle because Jesus just speaks one word and it's over with, right? He brings victory. He establishes the eternal kingdom of God. He sets up his millennial reign, right? When he lands on the Mount of Olives, the mountain will split in half, the Bible says. And that ushers in the eternal kingdom of God, the millennial kingdom. So Jesus wants us to see here that there's a reason that he's sitting on the Mount of Olives because he's referring to the end times and what he's going to discuss about the signs that are to come during the end times, right? 
And we see in this scripture also that the disciples come to him privately, right? So in other words, there's nobody around and they want to ask questions about Jesus to Jesus. Specifically three questions. And those three questions are this. When will all of this take place, they say? When will this happen, right? And what will be the sign of your coming? And they say the last question, what is the sign of the end of the age, right? So they ask three important questions here that they want answered, right? When will all this happen, they're saying? When will you coming back, right? When is the end times? But I want you to understand this, the word coming here, right? has two meanings, right? The first could mean our blessed hope, right? Which is the rapture, which Titus 2.13 talks about. Titus 2.13 says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, right? So this is speaking of the rapture of the church, right? Now the scripture is very clear. He's going to do this before the wrath of God begins. I want you to understand that. Before the wrath of God takes place, the rapture of the church will happen. Just 1 Thessalonians, right? We're going to go to that. And when we get to the, 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 the scripture that says that, I'm going to point that out. That's going to be in next week's lesson. That I'm going to point that out where God says that. And whatever God says, it's true. God doesn't exaggerate. God doesn't lie. God doesn't lead us on, right? He tells us in 1 Thessalonians, right? Now what happens? That believers are not appointed to wrath. So it just tells us that we're not going through the wrath of God. Now understand this, we're going to go through these birth pains that's going to take place that he's talking about in the next few lessons, right? But we will not go to the wrath of God. Believers won't. Again, the rapture of the church are for believers. To be in the eternal kingdom of God, right? Early. Not to go through the wrath. And the wrath of God's for who? It's for the nation of Israel. So they can repent. So they can see that they were wrong. That they were deceived. So they can be saved. That's why, he, that's why God sends forth the wrath of God, right? So the second coming can also be related, right? To this. So we see there's two, two comings, you can say. Two meanings. The rapture and the second coming. And I told you, these are two different events because there's Two different things between the sun and the moon that signifies there's two different events. And when we get to that in the lesson, I'm going to point that out to you, right? So as we study more of this chapter, we're going to see the difference between the two. So first is the coming of the rapture, and that's for believers. And the second is for Israel, right? For Israel to be delivered. And we coming back with Jesus, King Jesus, the Messiah, 1 Thessalonians 3.13 says this, May He strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in your presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. You know who are His holy ones? The church, the believers, the saints of old, right? We're all here. We're coming back when Jesus lands on the Mount of Olives and that valley forms, right? Evil is done away with. Unbelievers are done away with. And what is left? What is left are believers. What is left are those Jews that repented, that, that, that said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they know that now he's the Messiah. And they just walk into this millennial 
age, this millennial reign, right? So, so we see right here, the disciples want to know the sign. They say, when are you coming? Then they also ask this question. When will be the end of this age? Now the end here is very important because it's going to be mentioned several times in this chapter. And when we look at it, right, it is speaking about bringing things to a conclusion, right? And we know that's what Jesus is going to do, right? Now, this, this word end can mean two things here, just like the word coming. It can mean end of the church age, which means the rapture of the church. And it could be it can mean the end of this world as we know it before the establishment of the kingdom of God takes place, right? So Jesus is going to speak to both about both of these. In other words, the end of the church age and the end of this world as we know it. And I'm going to point that out to you in the lesson as we go, right? You see, this is where many people mess up with scripture right here, right? They see the word end. And right away, they think of the very end. In other words, the establishment of heaven, the establishment of God's kingdom. But we see here in this chapter that Jesus is speaking of two ends. And the first end, he's speaking to his disciples about disciples. And that's from verse 4 through verse 14, we can say. He's speaking of the church age right there. But he also speaks about the end times. In other words, this world as we know it coming to an end when he steps foot on the Mount of Olives and that valley is formed and the eternal kingdom is ushered in. Amen? Verse 4, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. So that's the first clue he's telling us here, right? Watch out. That word, that phrase is very, very important. To Jesus, because he says that quite often in the Gospels, if you understand the Gospels, right? In other words, he's telling us, watch out, he's giving us a command. He's saying there's something here, or there's something coming that I want you to see, so you need to be aware of. You need to know it's coming, right? And the only way to see it, or the only way to know it, is to really truly understand Scripture. You need to truly understand prophecy. And if you know the signs, if you know the event, you know what's going to happen in the last days, right? So if you know and understand these things, we will know how to respond to them. That's what he's trying to tell us here, right? And if we know how to respond to them, then this brings honor, this brings glory to our Father. And it's also, it, it, it lets the Father know that we are a godly influence to other people. So he's saying here, watch out. He's fixing to give us signs what to look for. Why? Because he doesn't want us to be deceived. He doesn't want, if we don't know these signs that are fixing to take place, then you know what's going to do? We're going to fear. We're going to fear. And, and God says you're not supposed to fear. You're only supposed to fear that which comes from God. Not which comes from the world. Not which comes from the government. Not which comes from man. But what comes from God. Let's go back. When Jesus left, they were finished the Last Supper, right? And Jesus left, and he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he tells his disciples, be on guard, watch out. That's what he tells them. But you see, they don't listen. 
Because what happens? They fall asleep. Then Jesus wakes up and He says, I can't even go pray for an hour without y'all sleeping. Be on guard, He says. Watch out. So He's warning them again. Something's fixing to happen because it's God. Jesus is God in the flesh. He knew it was fixing to take place. He knew what would happen to, to the sheep, so, so to speak. When the Sanhedrin came with Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed Jesus, they came to arrest him. The Bible says what happened to his disciples. They feared. And what happened? They scattered, right? So Jesus is telling us here, watch out. Why? Because he doesn't want us to fear what is fixing to take place in the last days. That's why he's telling us, watch out. So we can be prepared. So we can be the light in a dark world, a testimony for others that are in panic, that are afraid. Watch out, he says, that no one deceives you. The implication here is that if one isn't watching, then you're going to be deceived, right? Now, this isn't a question about salvation right here that we're talking about. It's a question about being a faithful servant to God, to Jesus, right? Remember what Jesus said in the scripture, right? He said, when the Son of Man returns to this earth, will he find someone who is faithful, right? In other words, he wants to know, are we going to be living and behaving faithfully or are we going to be deceived and we're going to live in fear, right? That's why he was telling us, to watch out, to understand what's fixing to take place so we don't be shocked, so we can trust in God, so we know we can be at peace no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what's going on in this world because this world's fixing to get crazier than it, what it already is, right? And when we look at the scriptures, right? We look at it both in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, prophetically and in the New Testament, right? There's, there, the Bible tells us there's going to be a strong deception in this world towards the end times. And you see, if you don't know the truth, if you aren't prophetically sensitive, right, to the Word of God and what the Word of God instructs, then you're going to be deceived and the outcome is going to be shame. And you will not have a testimony that's pleasing to God. You will not be a godly influence to others, but instead you will be just like the others. You will be deceived and you're going to live in fear. You're going to live in panic. You're going to live in chaos, right? Verse 5, Jesus says this, For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, and many will be deceived. Now understand again that in the last days there's going to be a lot of deception going on. A strong deception, the Bible says, right? He says, for many will come in my name. At first, this sounds good, right? In other words, at first you think there's many people that's coming here and the implication here is that they're going to teach and they're going to speak the truth of God in the name of Jesus. But that's not what happens. Why? Because they're false teachers, right? Many will be deceived, right? The deception isn't coming, we see from outside the church right here that Jesus is saying. The deception is coming from inside the church. So Jesus is revealing that one of the signs of the last days is that the church will move away from the truth of God, that which is true. And the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Where the Apostle Paul, St. Paul said that there's going to be a moving away of truth and, and deception will become even stronger in the church, right? 
Now, there's a lot of people that ask me this question, right? Are we in the end times? And they always use the coronavirus, COVID-19, right? And we see a lot of things that's happening in the world today since the virus is crazy, right? I know I heard somebody say that what this world's going mad, this world's going crazy, right? And, and the world's going to continue to get worse, right? This is not pleasant what we're teaching on in chapter 24. And there's a lot of people that don't want to hear what I'm saying, right? About things are not going to get better. Things might be at a standstill. I want you to understand that. But they're not getting better. They're not, right? There's only one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? There ain't no president that's going to save us. There's no government that's going to save us, right? None of that's The only one that's going to save us is Jesus. That's what Scripture tells us. So when somebody tells you, oh, things are only going to get better, things are looking up, that's not true. Because in the big picture of it, it only gets worse as we get further and further along, right? So when people ask me, is this a sign from God, this COVID-19, the coronavirus, right? No, it's not, right? Because you're about to find out what Jesus is talking about. It's not just one event that happens one time. The events that Jesus is talking about in the end times happens, several happen all at the same time, right? The coronavirus, we just know it was, by, it was, it was, it was man-made in a lab. That didn't come from God, right? When, when you're going to know that if it's a plague or a disease from God, you're going to know it's from God, period, right? So this is not, God just gave us a little bitty, a fraction of a taste. It's, it was a test, right? To prepare us for a lot worse things that is to come. Right now, I think we're at the very beginning of these birth pains that Jesus is talking about right here in Matthew 24. Right. And I stated that earlier. Right. We're not we're not in those birth pains yet. And we're definitely not in the seven year tribulation period. Some people think we're in the tribulation period. That's not even close to the tribulation period. Right. Because we know that in the last days, what's going to happen? There's going to be. It's going to be worse as far as persecution of Jews and believers, right? Worse than what the Holocaust was, right? What we're seeing here is the pieces of the puzzle is all getting in line for how God wants it to be. In other words, that one world government, that's on the verge of being formed. I, I, I seriously think in the next 10 years, will have a one world government. That sounds crazy. I know it does. But I'm just telling you where we headed. The one world religion. That's coming. The Bible says that's going to happen. It's going to happen. The Bible says it is the truth. It's going to happen. And the one world currency. Now people read all of this and hear this and they say, man, that's not happening in my lifetime. Right? It's not happening. But there's prophecy that's happening today that's recorded towards the end times that's happening today so i mean nobody knows a date or a time but if you look at the prophetic calendar right things are in line that we're at the very beginning of those birth pains right and we need to be prepared to what jesus is telling us in this lesson so we're not caught off guard so we know what to expect so we can we can we can pray more and, and when we pray more to God and we understand Scripture, and God sees that, right? God knows your heart. 
And those that are faithful to God, God's going to take care of, right? Just like he does with the remnant of his chosen people. Verse 6, he says, you are here of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But look what he says. But the end is still to come. So he talks about wars. Now, notice it's in plural. Wars with an S. That means many wars going on at one time. Right now, there's a lot of skirmishes, so to speak. And there's really one war. And that's Russia and Ukraine right now. It's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about many wars. In other words, major nations being fighting, being at war against each other all at one time. Not just nation against nation. Many nations will be against each other all at one time. And while this is going on, these wars, plural, there's going to be rumors of war. In other words, other wars that people are talking about that's on the horizon, that what is to come. So we see here that there's a lot of instability in this world, that there's really no true leader of this world with world peace because the only one, the only true leader of world peace is Jesus, right? And, and there never will be world peace until Jesus comes back on the Mount of Olives and reigns in the millennial kingdom and eventually the kingdom of God. But see to it, he says, that you're not alarmed. He tells us right here that if you know and you watch, in other words, you, you are observant and you understand the signs, the prophetic signs of the end times, you're not going to be caught by surprise. You're not going to fear. Because look what he said. These things need to happen, he said. But the end is still to come. Right? Now, We've got to be wise about this, right? Because the scripture warns us, right? That we should show ourselves approved to God. In other words, we should understand the word of God, study the word of God, right? Not just listen to a Bible teacher, a priest, or a pastor, right? A reverend. But you should pick up the Bible and learn it on your own and read. Because when you spend time with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit revealed things to you that might be different than me. But it's the word of God, it's the truth of God, right? And we see in Matthew 24, verse 3, if you go back up to verse 3, the disciples come to Jesus, and they're on the Mount of Olives, and they're in private, right? And they ask questions, three questions. When will these things take place? In other words, when are you coming back? And when is the sign of the end times? Now I want you to understand this, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples about disciples and what is to come so when he says right here but the end is still to come he's not talking about the end of the world as we know it he's speaking to disciples followers of jesus right and if you're a disciple you're a believer in jesus you trust jesus you're a follower of jesus right and we know that most of his disciples, right? I think 11 out of the 12 were put to death for preaching the word of God, right? For evangelizing, so to speak. Speaking about the kingdom, right? So he's speaking about here, the end of this age is still yet to come. He's speaking about the church age. He's speaking on the rapture of the church, and we're going to see a difference between the end of this age, meaning the establishment of the kingdom of God, the end of this world as we know it, right? And 
the church age, the rapture of the church. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, plural, plagues, plural, and earthquakes, plural, in various places, he says. So this is speaking about different ethnic groups, right? When nation against nation, right? So he's telling us here that there's going to be various ethnic conflicts, in other words, in different places around the world at the same time. And while this is going on, kingdom will be against kingdom. In other words, war. Nation against nation is going to be at war. Nations, many, right? And there will be famines and plagues, right? In other words, plural, more than one happening at the same. So all of this is happening at the same time, right? Wars, you hear rumors of wars, ethnic group against ethnic group, right? Country against country, nation against nation, famines, plagues, right? So let's go back to this COVID-19, right? So if we're in the very last days like people think, which we're not, right? Not yet. There would be many what? Famines and many plagues and many wars, Rumors of wars, right? There'll be earthquakes going on, natural disasters, all at the same time with the COVID-19. Now, did this happen? No, it didn't happen, right? And look what he says, earthquakes in various places. Once again, plural, right? Earthquakes are happening more and more every day, right? There's about 50 earthquakes a day. Go, go do your research, right? But 20, 30 years ago, right? That number went up. There was about 20, 25 earthquakes a day, 20, 20. So we see an increase in earthquakes, but it's not there yet. We're at the beginning of birth pains, right? We're, we're not even at the birth pains yet. We're at the very early stages of that. God is just throwing things out at us to give us a test to see if we're truly faithful or we fear, right? Now, just imagine all this taking place. Wars, rumors of wars, right? Plagues, pestilence, diseases, earthquakes. All this is happening. Natural disasters. All this is happening at the same time. Can you imagine the chaos in this world? I mean, people panicked with COVID-19. When it hit a couple of years ago, and there's still people in panic today. Because these people are deceived, Right? Now, COVID's real. I mean, I had, I had family members and friends that died from it. I had, I had people that I know that died from, from this COVID-19, right? I mean, I had it. My family had it. So COVID-19 is real. I'm not saying it's not real, right? But people look at the news media, and the news media is deceiving people, right? Because the news media portrays what they want people to hear. In other words, they tell their side the story to the world, right? But you see, when God's going to send us a plague or when God's going to send us a disease, people's going to know that it's from Him. People's going to know it's, it, it didn't come from a lab in China. That's what this did. It's not for a political agenda, right? Because that's what COVID-19 is, right? In other words, you, you see the work of Satan working through people. And that's what the Bible says takes place towards the end times. There's a lot of deception going on. Now, I can care less whether or not you took the shot or you didn't take the shot. That's not what this Bible study is about. But Jesus warns us here not to be deceived by the world. Now, let me ask you this question. 
There's some of you that took the shot because you had to take it because you were living with somebody that had cancer or somebody that had health issues and you didn't want to catch it. And I understand that. that that's great. But how many people took this shot? If I ask you, why did you take the COVID-19 vaccination? You know what a lot of people, the majority of the people, what they would say? Because I was afraid to die. They fear. Well, if you're afraid to die, you're a believer, then you got it all wrong. And, and, and if, I'm, if it's pricking you what I'm saying, then that's the Holy Spirit that's pricking your conscience. Not me. Don't shoot the messenger, right? Because the Spirit's telling you you've been deceived, right? Be because this is not from God, right? I mean, let's look at what happened. Let's take that for example, what happened with COVID-19. COVID-19 hit what the government tells us. That's why God says, trust no man, trust no government, trust nobody but who? Me. I am the Lord God, right? What they told us? Oh, I'd be on lockdown for a couple of weeks to flatten the curve. What I'm telling you is a fact. That turned into four or five months. That was a lie, right? Then they say, oh, if you wear these masks, these masks are going to help to prevent it, which we know now is a lie. Masks don't work, right? Then what they said, oh, if you take this vaccine, you're not going to catch it, which we know is another lie. Because people that took the vaccine are still catching COVID-19, right? Then what they try to do when, when that happened? Oh, it's the people that didn't have the vaccine that's spreading it, which is a lie, right? Because we know from research that doctors that aren't afraid, right, of the government, they're coming out and they're... they're They'll tell it like it is. That what it does, it weakens your immune system. So the common cold now, you're more, you're more prone to catch it than a regular person that has natural antibodies in their body to fight it off, right? So all of this has an agenda behind it. This not from God. That's what I'm trying to tell you, right? You're looking at the man, Fauci, Dr. Fauci, right? He's supposed to be steering us in the right direction, right? When it comes to medical... Uh, you know, reviews and statements and so forth. He'd been caught lie after lie after lie. Fauci said, oh, you have to wear a mask. No, you don't have to wear a mask. It don't work. Oh, you have to wear a mask, right? Because a political party wants you to wear it. I mean, are you kidding me? But people are deceived by this because all they do is watch the news. How many of you, when COVID hit, you spend time with the Lord and you spend time with the Spirit and you ask the Spirit to guide you, right? What to do in this situation? I could answer that question for most people. A lot of people didn't do that. A lot of people just did what the rest of the world did. And they hit panic mode. Right? And I'm afraid to die. Because the news media said, man, if you don't take this, this shot or, or COVID-19 is going to kill at least 2 or 3 million people. That's, that was stated. And what people do? They started just went all up in a panic. Right? It was like chaos hit. But can you imagine... All these things happening in the world, then disease and pestilence, more than one at one time. That's what Jesus is talking about is going to happen in the end times, right? And I'm going to tell you this, as church people, as the body of Christ, as believers, right? As the bride, so to speak, to the bridegroom, which is Jesus, right? If that's any indication, right? Of the last days and how it's going to be with this COVID-19, you can say. 
then we as a church fail. We as a church, there's many of us are going to be left behind because we didn't trust God. We were deceived. We gave in to the world, right? That's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. He's trying to warn us that as these days go on, that there's going to be more and more deception and it's going to be strong deception, right? And, and if you don't follow, if you don't fall in line with what the government says or what man says or, or what the media says, then you're the bad guy. And they're going to pit you, the world against you believers if you stand up and you stand up for righteousness and you stand up for God. And we've seen some of this during COVID-19. We've seen that because we've seen people that took the shot was against people that didn't take the vaccine. We've seen it. Right? I was called a conspiracy theorist, right? You can go back to the lessons that we taught in the book of Revelation when COVID hit because we didn't stop. We didn't stop Bible study. We didn't stop worship, right? Like the government said you do. We didn't do that. And in them studies in the book of Revelation, I talked about this, how it was deception. You can go back and look at it. It's, it's, it's on the Bible study group. You have to go back a ways, but it's there. Deception is real. And don't be fooled. And that's what happened. A lot of people were fooled, and they're still being fooled today. And I'm going to tell you this. COVID-19 is not over with. It's, gonna, it's, it's coming back. I read an article actually this morning, right, that there's two types of variants that's going to make an appearance, they said, in the next couple of months. Well, how convenient is that, knowing that election's coming up in November, right? So what I'm telling you is, that's a deception. Now again, the virus is real. The virus kills people, but it, 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 it affects mostly the unhealthy people, right? People that have health issues, so to speak. But if you're perfectly healthy, you might get it, and it might be a cold, and you might be sick, right? I don't know when I had it, it's like, the, it's like I had the flu. It's like I had the virus, right? It was tough. But I'm young, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm 51 years old, I'm healthy, pretty healthy. And within a week, I was good again, praise God, you know. So the virus is real, and those that lost loved ones, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not degrading that. I know it's real, and I know it's a loss of a loved one. And we sympathize with you, and we love you, you know. But, but I just, God wants us to see, Jesus wants us to see here that we cannot be deceived by man. We cannot be deceived by government. Right? Verse 8, last verse for today. He says this, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Right? Now birth pains, you know this. A woman that's pregnant, she has these pains. Right? And as she gets closer to labor, these pains pick up and they can become more and more intense. Jesus is saying that's what's going to happen. When these birth pains start, we're at the very beginning of the birth pains. Very, very beginning. So what we can see now is these birth pains are going to start picking up from now on. In other words, you're going to start seeing maybe another disease or another pestilence, more natural disasters happen, but it's going to start to happen at the same time, right? Until these birth pains are in full flesh. But Jesus is telling us here, the message is this, that from these birth pains comes a pleasing or a pleasing outcome, you can say, right? Because birth pains give away to delivery, something new, right? Like a woman, she's pregnant, she has birth pains, as she gets closer, what happens? These birth pains become faster, harder, but she gives delivery to a new child, a new birth, right? So something new 
is happening. And that's what Jesus is saying here. These birth pains of what is to come is no different because it's giving away to something new. And that something is our blessed hope is the rapture of the church, right? And God will show himself in the end to be very faithful to the people, right? That believe in him, that trust in him, right? That believe and know that he's the Messiah, that he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, that he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last, right? And Jesus, right? will show himself very faithful in the midst of all these problems. Amen? Well, until next week, we appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. Go be the light of the world and bless somebody this week. We'll be back next week and continuing on with the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 24. Y'all have a wonderful and blessed week. We love you guys. Take care.